Great stuff. Give God a round of applause again, man. His presence is here today. Thank you guys for being here, uh, man. And not only are we trying to just build up his name, but how cool is it this morning that watching on, on um, the internet, our satellite ministry in Mountain Grove, Missouri this morning. Big shout out to Alan and the group. And they'll be meeting tonight, 15 to 20 people celebrating and studying in their connect groups, uh, what God is doing and speaking to their hearts there as Alan leads that group. And then tomorrow night, uh, Mark, I'll be in Jackson, Mississippi and helping uh, a church that's been struggling and helping them rebuild and get back into discipleship. And tomorrow night's going to be a strategic month seven of me being there, and I will share with them how to implement discipleship and to watch God restore and revive that church in Jackson, Mississippi. Four hours pouring into different groups of people. Would you pray that God moves in a powerful way tomorrow night and just uses me uh, in ways that I, I'm not even capable of doing? So we love what God is doing here. Thank you guys for being so much a part of this. And here we are going through the Gospel of Luke, talking to you about God's plan and uh, uh, in our new sermon series, and, and i got to be honest with you, uh, today, uh, all the things that's been happening, and, and uh, you guys being here, and, and just everything that's happened this morning, uh, how cool is it that, that God has got a plan for your heart and for your life, and we need to learn to follow his plan in our life, and by the way, be sensitive when God leads and changes that plan. Did you all notice what I did a while ago? When they handed me the envelopes, you notice what I did, guys? I handed them to Blink, because I know right where they need to go, amen? So you got to be ready uh, to let the Holy Spirit lead you in God's plan, uh, know where it needs to go. And anyway, uh, as we think about this sermon series, I don't know about you, but do you ever get sometimes realize that the devil lies to us? And he is so good at lying to us that he convinces us that the Word of God is somehow boring. Uh, Tommy and I were again, we're having that talk in between the two services this morning, and I said, yeah, I said, it's so true. The Word of God in church should never be boring. Tommy said, man, I used to go to church and it was so boring. I said, how in the world can you make Jesus boring? But we somehow in America figured out how to do that. That's crazy. Uh, but we do that, and the devil lies to us, and he tells you, you know, y'all don't need to read your Bible this week. Have y'all ever been that way? I'm going to be I'm very transparent with you this morning. Whenever I studied for this sermon series, I'm thinking my mind's analytical. That's the way my personality works. And so there's just negative connotations that come with that. The devil uses our personalities against us. Y'all realize that? And so I'm thinking 24 chapters, verse by verse, these people are going to be bored, slap out of their mind by the time I get preaching two years through the Gospel of Luke. And then all of a sudden, as we've gotten into it, I've preached stuff that I've never preached before. It's just like leaping off the pages. It's been electric of what God's been doing here the last four weeks. And now uh, I realize the devil is a liar. And he tells us not to get into God's Word. And you all know, we're reading through the Hear Journals right now. And what do you all do? You get behind because we're reading through Malachi and Joel and Nahum and blah, 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 and all those other people. You ain't ever found that page in your Bible before. And we're in these minor prophets, and everybody's getting whacked. Everybody's getting judged. I mean, it is really depressing stuff to read. God's judgment. Oh, that's fun. And so what do you do? We quit with the Word of God, and it's sort of like the devil knows this. So you know what? You've not been reading because you know what? You, you wake up in the morning, and you go, man, I just don't think that's going to be good. I don't think I'm going to get anything out of it. You all do the same thing when we go to the ocean or, or you get in the bath. You know what you do? 
you take your toe. And you don't just dive into the water unless you're like some of these guys, morons. And anyway, but what do you guys do? You first of all, you put your toe in the water. And you just sort of feel, you know, your big, big toe, you know, uh, maybe your little one. Uh, anyway, uh, you put your big toe in the water and you feel it out and you go, whoo, or you go, oh, that feels good, whatever. But, you know, you just feel it out. And then once your toe gives a shot out to your brain, and it's what it's supposed to go. And, and when, when it tells you, man, dive in. And so you go in the water and you're thinking the whole time, oh, this is going to be cold. Oh, this is going to be hot. But then you get in there and you go, ooh, that feels so good. What in the world was I waiting on? That's exactly the way God's word is. You guys got to quit tiptoeing around it. See what I did there? Uh, and you guys have got to dive in to the word of God. And so that's what I realized the devil's a liar and he keeps deceiving us. And so this morning, uh, we want to help you guys realize that God wants to give us so much more than what we realized. Did I mention the devil's a liar? And he really is. And he lies to us about everything. And he wants to confuse us. And most importantly, we need this word of God because in the word of God, if we li don't listen to the liar, he's going to help us know who Jesus is. And the way you pass the test in your life is we need to know who Jesus is. Speaking of test, how do you all do on test? I mean, just, you know, man, isn't it awesome to come to a church and, except for, you know, Carly and Chandler's, uh, you know, all these teenagers, <laughs> sorry, anyway, uh, all these teenagers on the front row, Granny, hey, Granny, uh, anyway, and so to see all of these uh, young people in the room, just kidding, uh, but isn't it cool to see Young people sitting on the front of the church. Give them a round of applause, man. We don't recognize that. That's so cool. And, uh, and, and we're glad, Carly and Granny, you guys can sit up here all you want. Anyway, and so uh, we're so cool to see God working in their lives. But So how do you guys do a test? You guys, you know, I'm not even asking you, Donut. I know where to go. Anyway, <laughs> so your parents are so proud. All right, so anyway, we, ha we have, uh, I don't know about you guys, but man, I struggled when I was in school to take tests. Now, believe it or not, I know that you guys think that I'm just this really academic genius, but believe it or not, <laughs> believe it or not, what are you guys laughing at? Uh, I, I wasn't, you know, always the sharpest crayon in the box or whatever they called it. Anyway, <laughs> stop it. And anyway, uh, I wasn't always the best pencil. Uh, anyway, I wasn't the smartest kid in school necessarily, but I really did listen to my teachers, and I really did study well, and I was always prepared, and I did know the stuff, and I listen, but I froze on test. Anybody else like me? When it came to the test, I was like the deer in the headlights. I was like that deer in Russ's video. You know, I'm just, I'm sitting there, and I would literally, my pencil would be shaking. That's what we used back in the day. And, and, and my pencil would be shaking because I knew I knew the material, but when I got there, I was like, I don't know, I don't know, right? And so, I mean, I utterly just, I stunk at taking tests, even though I knew the material and all of that, but I would, lie, I would listen to the lie that I'm not, I, I got scared. And so this morning, we're going to talk to you guys about testing, but it's not academics. <laughs> you guys listen. Uh, all right, it's not about that. It's about spiritual testing. And you got to know this morning that what we're going to unpack for you is that God allows us to go through seasons of spiritual testing in our lives. So what happens when you fail test. Y'all know what the nature is. You ain't never failed a test? That's good. Okay, just be honest. You're in God's house. He's watching. Right, anyway, uh, and so uh, <laughs> what, what happens when you fail test? 
You know what we, our tendency to do, especially after we fail a number of tests, is to do what? Quit. We quit school. We quit classes. We drop out when we fail because we don't want to feel that condemnation of failure and everybody's judging us and everybody's looking at us. Now, sadly, the same thing is happening in your spiritual test. Some of you, some of us, and all of us at one time or another, we fail our spiritual test. Bad stuff happens in our life. Challenging stuff happens in our life. Even good blessings happen in our life. And rather than acknowledge God, we fail at that critical moment. And you know what we do when we start to fail? Is we quit. We quit going to church because somehow I'm going to feel condemnation and I don't want to feel guilty about where I'm failing at. Just be honest. We quit discipleship groups. Well, it's just not going well. And we quit. We quit connect groups. Well, you know, I don't want to go and have all these people study the Word of God and listen to Brother Terry's sermon tonight. And I don't want to go around those people because they're going to find out that I wasn't perfect. Stop listening to the liar. He is a liar. Here's what you need to understand about God, His Word, and this church. We're not here to judge you and put condemnation. Oh, you fixing to hear it. We're going to lay down the Word of God, and it's going to convict you, but it ain't going to be about us judging you. It's just going to be about you and Jesus this morning, and we're fixing to bring it. So just go ahead and get your big boy pants on this morning. It's coming. I'm just telling you. But here's what we do is we quit when we start having failures in our life because what is everybody else going to think? Let me tell you what everybody else is going to think in this church. And if you think differently, get out. You go to your discipleship group when it's not easy because you need that encouragement and you need to hear people love on you and say, guess what? I didn't study like I should have this week, but God's got our back and he loves us. And you're going to go to connect groups tonight, and you're going to hear some people are going to share after studying and listening to this message today. And in small groups on Sunday nights, we have 260 people that meet on Sunday nights in 20 different homes. And here's what we're doing on Sunday nights. First of all, we're eating because we're Baptist. And we do that, and that's just part of our doctrine. It's in the Bible. We'll find it somewhere. Number two is we just take the sermon and the Word of God. And we talk about it and answer questions so that we, and here's the thing, we're not going to hear to judge you or condemn you. You're going to find part of your group that's going to go, you know what, I sucked at this this week as well. I didn't do what I should be doing. Man, I'm telling you, that sermon got all over my toes. Here's where I'm failing at. And then guess what we're going to do? You're going to have another part of your group goes, man, I've been knocking it out of the park. God's been working in my life. You're going to get encouragement. But most of all, you're going to get a whole group of people that's going to love you and pray over you and just encourage you hang in there don't quit don't listen to the liar that's discipleship that's discipleship that is what God is doing every week at Connect Church and so this morning the challenge is this what do we do and how are you doing in your spiritual test and you know what our nature is our default position is and I don't know how in the world we became so crazy about this but you know what we sort of and what I hear I've heard this in this church I've heard people say well I'll tell you what brother Terry when it's all said and done I just hope 
that my good outweighs my bad. And I promise you, in Jesus' love, if you say that to me after service, I'm going to throat punch you. That is so ridiculously stupid and such a lie from hell. When you get to heaven, he ain't going to be weighing on a scale whether you were a good person or a bad person. It ain't going to matter. The only thing that's going to matter is if your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. Ain't no good and bad scale. Ain't no such thing. That's us. And so the message that we need to listen to is quit listening to the liar and quit thinking somehow I just hope because that's what you're, you know what you're, what you're meaning when you say that? And I know, we've taught it in some of our churches, and God help us and forgive us as preachers for teaching this crud. I just hope that I get lucky, and you know, and Jesus wants me. My good outweigh my bad. Do you realize how ignorant that sounds to God Almighty? You don't depend upon luck to get you to heaven. This is how ridiculous it is. And we use this all the time in your personal life and mine. We allow our personalities to do this kind of crud. And we pray this kind of stuff. I hope, you know, that I get lucky and God wants me to bless me and do this or whatever. Would you stop it? I like donuts. Let's just back that up. I love donuts. So let's say that I want to feel lucky with God and I'm going to go down to Columbus. It's 58 miles from this door to the Columbus Krispy Kreme. Don't know how I know that. And Miss Jan, whatever her name is, that runs it. And, uh, <laughs> and anyway, um, and then the others, I can tell you the mileage and the names. And so I pull up to the Krispy Kreme at Columbus. But the Lord has been telling me, I want you to go on a diet. <laughs> If he is, I've not been listening to that. But anyway, uh, so I'm just saying hypothetically, Lynn. Uh, and so uh, hypothetically, uh, the Lord says, I want you to go on a diet. So here's what I do, Johnny. This is how we approach our Christian life in luck. I pull and drive around 58 miles from here to the Krispy Kreme door, and I pull up to the parking lot. Sits in a little shopping plaza. And so on Oak Street, I think it is. Anyway, and, and so I pull up, and guess what I do? I look out there, and I say, Lord... Man, man, this diet thing's hard, and I'm not sure I'm up to giving up Krispy Kreme, you know. But Lord, that's just, I don't know if that's your will or not, because that's a hard thing. So, Lord, I just, I'm going to pray right now that if you want me to really give up donuts for my diet, then when I get raised up my head, get done praying, then there's going to be no empty parking spots in that parking lot. And Lord, you just fill up this place, and now I'm going to know you don't want me to stop. And here's what happens. After, and I pray that prayer. And after driving around eight times, <laughs> a spot opened up. It had to be God's will. And anyway, and so we sort of do that kind of stuff is we play games with God, and, and we want to get lucky, and we're not serious. Well, here's the message to you guys this morning. Uh, it, it, you need a whole lot more than luck. Luck is never going to help you pass the spiritual test that you're in. Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. We're in a new chapter this morning, going verse by verse through the Gospel of Luke. Now, here's the setting in the context of Luke chapter 4. 
before beginning his earthly ministry, Jesus was put to the test. Now, you get where we're going with this? You need more than luck to pass this test. He was put to a real test. Listen to this. Jesus, in in the original Greek here, it says that the Holy Spirit called Jesus. It is so emphatic with the tone and the usage here. It is a dramatic calling of God the Father saying, Jesus, no ambiguity, no Krispy Kreme donut lucky story here. I'm calling you to the wilderness before you began your ministry. And for 40 days, Jesus is alone. Are you hearing me this morning? He's alone in the wilderness, just him and the Father, and it's a test. And it's going to be a big test because Satan is going to enter the scene. Now, when you and I read this text, in our American mentality, and I get it, we read the word wilderness. And so what do you guys think when we read the word wilderness? Well, you know, we're, you know, we're in the south of Mississippi. We're thinking, oh, dude, man, that's nice. Jesus went to Gatlinburg. Jesus went to Gatlinburg in the wilderness, and he's sitting in a little cabin, and, you know, some of y'all positive, you know, and Jesus is in a cabin, and he's in on retreat with, with God the Father, just Jesus and Gatlinburg setting up on this cabin on the mountain. Bears are playing and frolicking in the vineyard or the valley or whatever, and uh, all of this stuff. I don't have no idea. That's not on my notes. Uh, anyway, and so all of this beautiful scene's going on. That ain't the wilderness that Jesus was in. You see, the word wilderness would be more aptly translated desert. The desert was the wilderness of Israel. They didn't have Gatlinburg. And so in the desert, Jesus is probably sitting in temperatures of a, it is hotter than Mississippi, let's just say it that, over 100 degree temperatures, skeeters are huge. Uh, I'm just telling you, uh, he is in the wilderness. He's been there for 40 days. He don't have any off. He doesn't have any sunblock. He's in the desert, and he's fasting and praying and spending time with the Father. And now get this. He's emotionally, are you listening to me this morning? He's emotionally, mentally, and physically just totally drained. Anybody ever been there? And at that precise moment, J.C., that's when the devil comes on the scene. Have you ever noticed that the devil puts us to the test at our lowest points? He comes at our weakest moments to test us, and the devil pops into that scene when Jesus is overcome 40 days, and now the question is, how in the world did Jesus pass a personal confrontation test with the devil? Let's look into the scripture. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. 
And the devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all of the kingdom of the worlds in, in a moment of time. And he said unto him, To you I will give all this authority and the glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, with all, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him, a third test, and he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And we're going to explain to you what that means here at the end. And you guys want to hang on for the end. Trust me, it gets better. And if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You get where we're going with this today? And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Dr. Danny Aiken, one of my favorite New Testament scholars of this generation, he, he describes this and he says, you realize that this story should cause every believer to immediately in your mind go back to Genesis chapter 3. You remember what happened in Genesis chapter 3? Sunday school folks, all right, what happened in Genesis chapter 3? The devil shows up in the Garden of Eden. And, and this story literally is trailing, exactly paralleling the story of the devil in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, we have the very first Adam being tempted by the devil. And he failed miserably, and every single human, I don't care how long your name's been on a Baptist roll, every single one of us have failed miserably ever since. Somebody say amen. But Jesus is different. Jesus would have the very same test. Jesus, in the New Testament theology, we say he becomes the second Adam. And in this second Adam of theology, Jesus will face the same test that Adam did, but Austin, he doesn't fail. He passed the test. And every problem that you and I have, hear me this morning, listen to me today, every problem, every encounter with the enemy is because the devil wants to discourage you Every death, every disease. Just look at me this morning. Any of you guys, in all seriousness, are you struggling to raise kids today? Is it taking a toll on your marriage? I don't care how positive you are. The stress of this life. Mark, for those of us that are in our yeah, I would say midlife, but no, dude, there's nobody that's 112. So, hey, I, we, we, we shot past that one, dude. So, at our age, are we not struggling physically? Are we not struggling with so much pressure in the day and age that we live in? Man, you can't even flip and buy gas and bread anymore. I mean, we are living in a time that just all of this stuff is hitting us, and it's a test. And the question is, how did Jesus get through this? How did he pass this test? And I want you to understand this morning that Jesus stayed on the mission with the Father. 
Listen, write this down. Dr. Daryl Bott, New Testament commentator, he says this. Jesus' successful encounter with the devil reveals how thoroughly dedicated he is to God's will and to God's call. I love that. This is money, guys. This is the solution that you guys are, uh, how do we pass this test? Jesus' successful encounter with the devil reveals how thoroughly dedicated he is to God's will and God's call. In other words, he did not rely on luck. He did not rely on what he thought would be good or what his parents did. He relied upon the Father. This is how you pass the test. Luck doesn't cut it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's just be very, and, and i got to be quick here, but let me just, just boil it down and if you're new and you're a guest here, by the way, if you are new, forgot to say this, man, get signed up today for our new members class two weeks from today. We're going to feed you lunch. You want to know what's going on at Connect Church and how you can become a part of this. You come to that luncheon. Everything's free, and you get to meet Tanner and Andrew. But anyway, uh, but Belinda and the wives will be there, and we'll just explain to you what God's doing here and answer your questions. But anyway, so back on mission here. So what, what, what's, we, we, bring, we try to tell you the just unvarnished truth, and here it is. <clears throat> I was in the doctor's office a few months ago, and I was meeting with my personal physician, going over all this you know, spinal surgery and stuff, and as we were coming out of all that, <sighs> I said, what, you know, give me your thoughts about COVID. And I got to be honest with you, my, my doctor stunned me. And this is embarrassing. I'm the preacher. And he said, and we've been friends for 20 years, personal friends besides my doctor. And he, he said, Terry, he said, I really do believe that all of this is going on is maybe a test from God. And God wants to see if we will humble ourselves. And maybe, and this is a doctor, if we quit arguing and fighting about your expert opinion and your expert opinion and my expert opinion, and my doctor said, maybe the devil's trying to tear this country apart. We're hating on each other. We're setting up boundaries based upon what you think and I think. Maybe! The whole thing, and nobody's got it right on either side. Maybe what God is saying, how about you humble yourself and call upon the one who's created all things. Every plague, every disease, every sickness that has ever been cured has been by me, and we've turned to everybody but him. Can I get a witness this morning? Amen, church? We're arguing and fighting and destroying ourselves rather than calling upon God. A test. And Jesus stayed on the Father's mission. Write this down. Jesus will take only the road that God asked him to follow. He will not take any shortcuts. He knows that a successful walk with God only goes where the Father leads. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, the reason Jesus passed this test is because he was obedient to the Father. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. So I want you to get your notes out this morning. And I want to talk to you about what the test is like. All right, so here we go. Uh, Taylor Navery, um, you guys going to have any tests this week at school? Okay, at Morville? Really? Impressive. Uh, Tupelo? Uh, anyway, uh, so I didn't know they still did that. So anyway, uh, the, uh, so it, it, how would you guys like to know 
if I gave you all the answers before the test this week? Would that be cool? And so you guys are saying, are you guys cheaters? Stop it. No, you should go, no, we don't want. Uh, anyway, uh, what if I did? Well, I'm going to give you guys the answers to the test today. This is what involves the test. So get your notes out. Number one, here's what's going to be on the test with the devil. The devil tempts you with personal gratification. The devil tempts you with personal gratification. He tempted Jesus in this activity, and he was telling Jesus, and, and, and listen to this. He was telling Jesus, just take the stones and turn them into bread. Remember where he's been for 40 days? He ain't been to Krispy Kreme. He's hungry. Tanner, he is hangry. 40 days. He's been in the sweltering desert, skeeters big as birds. He's tired. He stinks. He's sweaty. And he says, just turn these stones into bread. And you know what the rationalization was? This is a victimless decision. And here's how he does it. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. Have you ever noticed that the devil's really good at getting us to feel good about ourselves, personal gratification, here's what I need to do, it, you know, I just need to lock myself away, and I need to, you know, by the way, I'm home by myself, nobody else is around, nobody else will see, and we sort of go down that road for personal gratification, and I'm going to get really real and really transparent, and I need you to listen to everything I say this morning, so don't go out and misquote me. This is, oh my goodness, it's going to, all right, it is what it is. I love you enough to tell you the truth. The devil will get in your mind, and he gets in my mind, and he will tell me, hey, Terry, guess what, dude? Man, <clears throat> you've had two funerals this week, retreats, deacons, Man, life sort of sucks for you right now. Crazy season. Everybody's, folks in the hospital, sick, whatever. Does the devil ever do this kind of stuff to you? And says, man, look at how messed up and wore out you are. And so the devil says, man, I just want you to go home tonight. Man, I want you to go pop a cold one, man, and shh. Anyway, I've seen the commercials. And, uh, and he says, I want you to just <laughs> chill out. And uh, man, don't just, you know, he tells me it's okay to just drink one. And I get it. Listen to me. I know what you're going to argue, and you're right. This scripture never condemns it's a sin to take a drink of wine or alcohol or, or beer, whatever. He says, I, I get it. And you're right. Don't email me. I understand the Bible. But what the Bible does say it is a sin to be drunk. No holds barred. It is a sin if I become so inebriated that I can't listen to God, and if I'm drowning my own sorrows and my own personal gratification, that's a problem for you and God. Get it? And so he knows my personality. And this is, this is why I choose just not to take the first drink for me. Is because our church family knows I'm sort of a driven personality, ADD, uh, and I'm not just going to take one. If I start something, we're going to finish it, and we're going to go till it's done, all right? I'm just telling you. That's who I am. And so for me, I won't just take one. I'm going to go until I don't know what's going on. And that's a sin. 
And I don't know what your sin temptation is, but I know this, he uses your personality against you. He knows what my personality is. He knows what it is, and man, he is so diabolical, he is so deceiving, he will twist it and try to get me off track. He knows that I'm that competitive, addictive personality, and he knows where to come at me. What about you? The, 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 we were studying today, and we were meeting with other churches this week in a discipleship conference, and Pastor Ed Linton, president of SBC, and, and he was telling us and coaching our, our staff and our team about discipleship, and he was pointing out, and he said, you know, we realize that today in today's church, church, that like 40% of our men are addicted to pornography, and, and it starts out with the devil giving you a little bit of personal gratification. Man, man, you know, I've just been having problems with my wife. You know, man, she's stressed out. She's all this stuff. And, you know, she got a new broom. You know, whatever. And, and, and you know, and you think all that. Not my wife. Because I told the devil when he told me that. No, not my wife. She don't have a broom. Anyway, uh, and so we, we got all those, you know, things that, that, and the devil tells us, man, you deserve this. And it's not just men. 20% of women are now addicted to pornography. And here's the thing. He said the guys in our church, church, are now having to take Viagra in their 20s because they're so consumed with this, they can't have a real physical relationship with their spouse. Yeah, it's getting quiet in here now. Because this personal gratification that the devil's a liar because of the reality, because of the, the fakeness of what's on a screen? Does it fulfill you? Does it satisfy you? Because it's a lie! He's a liar! And he's destroying the joy that God wants to give you something better. And it's not just that. What about your time that you're on your phone? Personal gratification. Man, I had a hard day, so I'm not going to go home and talk with my wife. I'm not going to be interactive uh, with my family, and I'm not going to read my Bible. How many of you are waking up in the morning, and in the morning, you cannot give Almighty God, who loves you enough to save your soul from hell, who raised you and blessed you with everything that you have in your life, the very breath of your soul, and you can't find ten minutes to read his word and to talk to him in prayer. Oh yeah, we go in there. And why? Why do we do that? Because the liar says, dude, man, it's early in the morning or you're tired from a long day at work. So here's what you need to do. You need to turn on Fox News. You need to get on your phone and listen to some stupid video that's going to make you laugh for 30 seconds that's not going to help change your life, that's not going to make you a better husband, that's not going to make you a better dad. You're going to get on a video game, spend two hours on the Internet, but you can't give God ten minutes? Personal gratification is destroying your joy. He's a liar. He's a liar. And I hate him. And I'm calling him out from hell this morning. Because I love you enough to tell you the truth. He's a liar. He's a liar. And trust me, I went through hell to preach this message to you. Because he didn't want you to hear this. Don't let him use your personality. 
You can try to entertain yourself. You can try to numb yourself. And all the while, he's saying, what I need you to do, as I need you to do your hair journal, I need you to do your discipleship group. I need you to get your butt to connect group. And I need you to listen to me and let me love you and pour in you no excuses. Because here's what happens. Dr. Charles Swindoll makes the point. This temptation undermines our trust in God. Humanity begins to fall when we first doubted the goodness of God. All that stuff and whatever your struggle is, all it's doing is cause you to doubt the goodness of God. God's better. God's better. God's better than whatever you're yielding to. Number two, the devil tempts us with power. The devil took on a supernatural, took Jesus on a supernatural win, whirlwind tour. He takes him all over the world and says to him, he says, let me show you what you can have. And the devil, look in verse 5, and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, for I will give you all authority and glory, for it has been delivered to me and, I, and to whom I will, if you then will worship with all yours. He says, let me give you the power. You, you understand who he was talking to? And is the devil lies to you guys. He says, let me give you power by your addictions and by your habits and by your sins. Let me energize you and make you feel better about yourself because I want to give you a power and that way you can be who you really are. To, you, do you realize he's a liar? You already have more in Jesus than you could ever imagine. All the authority and the power to be a good husband, to be a good dad, to do a good job, to, to raise a family, to go to church, to be a deacon, all of that's already in your hands. Why in the world are we choosing to listen to the liar? And it's stupid. I tell you, don't you dare get upset the next time you get a phone call and you answer the phone and it goes hello I hope you're having a good day because I just want to let you know your car warranty just ran out and I want you to know that if you press one we're gonna get you covered and so you press one if you're in one of those moods like I'm in and you press one, and they come on, and they, you know the first question they ask you, don't you, James? Well, tell me the make and the model of your car, because your warranty just ran out. And you know what I tell them? Because I'm not always sanctified. I look at, I mean, I answer them on the phone and go, well, you called me. You tell me what kind of car I drive in, because you said the warranty ran out. Oh, no, 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 it don't work that way. I go, oh, no, no, no. If you call me, you tell me what kind of car. Well, well sir, you've got to verify all this. I said, y'all verify that. And, and, and then we sort of go back and forth in Jesus' name. And, 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 and we're going back and forth. And finally, I just say to them, I said, my car's already, you don't even know what I have. You're a liar. And I said, how low does your life have to get? And I'm sorry if you weren't for them. But how low does your life have to get? That with America having 40 gazillion jobs open right now that you can go do anything you want, that you have to become a liar and a scammer. And then they go click, Grant. They're rude. Uh, anyway, I'm just saying, the devil is offering you something just like the scammers that you already have. I don't need their car warranty. My car is already covered. Your life's already covered. Whatever the devil's trying to sell you 
and offer you to give you power in your life, it's a lie. You got more than that in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. And then number three, not only does he offer us our personal gratification and power, but he, he offers us protection. The devil will try to tell you that it's going to be okay. I got this. Now listen to this, Michael. The devil takes Jesus to what we call in Bible scholarship the royal porch of the temple. It was a pinnacle of the temple that was about 450 feet off the ground in downtown Jerusalem. So you get in the scene? Everybody was watching this. Now here's what happens. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up unless you strike your foot against a stone. And here was his selling point. If you throw yourself off the top of the temple, all of the people milling below you are going to watch the angels come and rescue you, and then everybody's going to believe that you're the son of God. Now, Michael, that makes logical sense. That makes logical sense. Eric, that's something that, you know, man, okay. But it doesn't make sense because he's a liar. Jesus doesn't do it that way. God never told him to come in and do it this way. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, you can sell your soul, you can lie, you can steal, and you can cheat to get yourself the biggest houses, the best insurance policy, the best medical coverage that you can possibly have. And I got news for you. You may very well be and probably will be miserable living in that giant house all by yourself. You will be miserable because you're going to still get sick and you're still going to die. You cannot stop the inevitability of what's coming our way. What you need is you need to be able to know Jesus because he's the only one that's going to help you pass this test. Nothing else will protect you but Jesus. So, Pastor Terry, man, you've been so hard on us, and this is so negative today. I get it. So, you've told us about how bad the test is. So, what do we do to pass the test? All right, give me two minutes. Let me, let me wrap this up. Here's how we pass the test. Number one, you rely on your hear journal. Every preacher worth his salt who's ever preached on this text, has told you that the way that Jesus responded to the enemy was to quote scripture. And that's exactly right. Man, I ain't changing that a bit today. And it's accurate. You need to do your hear journals. You need to know what the truth is. You need to be pouring the word of God into you. I get it. All, you all ready? That is cool. That's good. It is needed. But that's where I would finish the sermon. And that's how I finished it all these years. And here's the thing. It's not enough. The knowledge of the scripture is not enough. I have failed you as a preacher to tell you. Now here's, let me make it up for you. Let me apologize. Let me tell you what I learned this week. Not only do you need to do your hair journal, not only do you need the word of God and quote scripture back to the devil, you, he can't stand the truth. But number two, and this is the biggest one, you need to run to Jesus. You need to run to Jesus. And you know why you need to run to Jesus? Because you see, he was tempted just like you and I were. He, 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 but he didn't lose. Jesus has defeated the enemy. He's our second Adam. And because Jesus has defeated the enemy, here is where he's at today. Look at the screen. Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Are you getting that? Every one of us have had a bad week. We've had a bad day. We're in troubling messes. So is Jesus. He's been in your 
shoes. Let me say it again. He's been in your shoes. But here's the difference. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He did not lose. He did not lose. Run to Jesus. What we have forgotten to do is we know the word, but we haven't run to Jesus. And here's what Jesus is offering you today. It's what we sing about here every Sunday. Jesus takes graves and he turns them into gardens. Jesus, hear what I said? Jesus takes your graves. He will get you through this season and turn them into gardens. He raises up stones and they become armies. And Jesus takes seas and he turns them into roads in our lives. He's got this. He's got this. Run to Jesus. Shall we stand? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your message this morning. Thank you for giving us your truth. How do we pass the test? We got to get real. We got to do what we've been talking about in the last several weeks. We repent. We experience your forgiveness. And then we just obey you. And God, if there's one here today, maybe several, who've never been saved, and right now they would like to pray the prayer, dear God Almighty, man, I've heard the truth. I've been listening to the liar. And today is the day that you're calling me to a better life. You want to have a personal relationship with me. Therefore, I confess my sins. I'm not listening to the liar anymore. I believe Jesus died on a cross to pay the debt of my sins, arose on the third day to come into my heart and live forever. I believe in that. I confess that. And today, I invite you to be Lord of my life. And here's the thing this morning. If you just prayed that prayer with everybody in this church praying for you right now, I want you to just raise up your head right now. I want you to look at me, and I want you to run to this altar. Our counselors will meet with you, and they'll lead you to a personal relationship with Jesus. Would you come? Would you come? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.